What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Thursday, July 9th. And the preview series rolls on today. It's a little Los Angeles special for you here. We'll talk about the Rams and the Chargers on today's program, and uh, we'll dive right in here. Let's talk about these Los Angeles Rams. Now, doesn't it feel like it's so long ago that this was really arguably the most explosive offense in the league? In 2018, so much fun. 2019, not as much. And now we look forward to 2020. And we have, generally speaking, the same nucleus here with the exception of running back. And I'll talk about that in a minute with no Todd Gurley. But let's talk about one Jared Goff. Because the numbers, every time I look, when I go through and do research, there are things that come just as a complete surprise to me. I, I mean, I guess I was aware of it, but I just didn't realize it fully This dude has over 4,600 passing yards in each of the last two years. 46.38 last year, 46.88 the year before. Now, 2018, maybe not as much of a surprise, but last year, it was such a lackluster season. But then when you look back at it, was it really that lackluster? I mean, on the year, he ends up with eight Top 10 weekly finishes, so basically half of his game, solid enough. Now, he had a couple big-time stinkers. Week 1 was a stinker, week 6 was a stinker, week 10, 11, 12, and that one really, that little stretch there really hurt. But maybe maybe we're a little too low on Jared Goff. He's so unsexy at this point that maybe the pendulum has swung a little bit too far. Right now, I'm ranking him. I think it's a fair ranking. I have met 15. He projects out at 14, so it's pretty fair. But the nice thing about a guy like Jared Goff, for fantasy purposes, because it's all about value, is you can get him after that point. Right now, his ADP is the number 17 fantasy quarterback, which, boy, at that point in our home leagues, we're talking super late round. So... You know, typically, you know, when I talk late late round quarterback approach of safe and upside, a lot of times I mention the upside quarterback second, but you can take the upside quarterback first. Like if you take Danny Dimes a few rounds earlier, maybe round 11, possibly round 10, he's a little bit of a sexy name right now, so he could be going, you know, a, a little earlier come August when fantasy draft season rolls around. But still, you take Danny Dimes, then... You could circle around. Jared Goff's going to be there in most instances because he's so unsexy. But 4,600 plus, relatively high floor. If he has a little bit more, you know, a little bit of a favorable season in terms of uh, touchdown efficiency, maybe we see a little uptick there. I don't see we. I don't think we see 30 plus, but maybe a little uptick. I mean, hey, it's not. <laughs> it doesn't have to be sexy to be good. Anyway, let's talk about these wideouts because we have Bob Woods, we have Cooper Cup, and then pretty much nobody else. I mean, they had Josh Reynolds on the roster because Brandon Cooks is out in the mix. They draft Van Jefferson, and Van Jefferson for me is like so meh. I I, I don't know. I, I don't really see it. He never had a, a, a breakout college season with a 20-plus percent dominator rating, so uh, I just don't see it, but... He lands in a very thin depth chart, so maybe there's something there for the long term. But really, it all comes down to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Both of these guys have their own appeal for slightly different reasons. I mean, we know what Cup is. We know he's a short ADAC guy who's going to be targeted a lot, 
who's go- he's good too. He's so fun to watch. He shows you, you know, that you don't have to be blazing fast. I mean, he ran four six two at the combine. You know, nothing special there. Nothing special at all. But he's just really good. <laughs> so I expect another season. I mean, granted, last year might have been a little bit of an outlier from a touchdown standpoint with him scoring 10 touchdowns. It's a little a little heavy. Uh, but could we see seven, eight touchdowns out of him this year? Absolutely. Currently projecting him at six. Remember, projections are always going to be a little conservative. I have Woods at four uh, receiving touchdowns, though, so that's sort of the separator between the two. Last year, Woods only had two receiving touchdowns, remember, but he was still really good down the stretch, and I know a lot of people remember that. He was the second fantasy receiver in Week 13, 6th in Week 14, 10th in Week 16, so uh, you know, relatively solid all around there. But if I had to choose one, I am going to choose Cooper Cup, and... and I think it does come down to that for a lot of people. Like you're in the same range, you're drafting these guys uh, close to the same area right now in terms of ADP, and you actually might be faced with that decision. I'm going to lean Cup most times. Now, if it's a best ball, I've talked about this before. If it's a best ball, I'm not going to say, "Oh, I'm drafting Cup every single time." Of course not. I'm not going to do that. But you know, maybe it's like 60, 40, 65. 35, something like that, because I do have him a, a little bit ahead of Woods. Um, well, it's two spots. I have 14, <laughs> Cup at 14, Woods at 16, so maybe it's more like 60-40. Uh, but regardless, right now in ADP, Cup going as the 13th wide out off the board. Woods, the better value of the two as the 19th wide out off the board. So Cup is basically a fourth-round pick. Woods is a fifth-round pick at this point. I like both of those spots, though. Uh, let's talk about this tight end spot because I know there's a, a lot of folks out there when I talk about Tyler Higby, they immediately poo-poo the idea with the argument of Gerald Everett. I have talked about this elsewhere, but I don't think I've said this on this podcast since we started up here. I was uh, at the Combine back in February in Indianapolis uh, and actually was fortunate enough to talk to a coach uh, from the Rams, and I asked him specifically about these two, and I pretty much got the answer, you know, I'll paraphrase, but the genie is kind of out of the bottle with Tyler Higby. When you performed that well for, and it wasn't just one game, remember, it was not one game, it was, it was really down the entire stretch last season. You know, it was a five-week, really, I mean, you could even say in week 12 it started. So it was like a six-week stretch where he was off the charts. They're not going to say, ah, well, that's really, let's force this 12-personnel thing with Gerald Everett. So I'm fully buying in. Tyler Higby at seven for me. Granted, we're not going to see that performance. You know, he was right there with, like, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle in terms of, like, domination. We're not going to see that week in and week out this year. But we know the ceiling is there. And incidentally, when do I always say that tight ends break out? 26 years old. And how old was Tyler Higby last year? Oh, yeah. He was 26 years old. So there you go. I like him. I'm targeting him in between that 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 sweet spot of, the, of round six to round eight for tight ends. Let's talk about running backs because I did mention that, hey, Todd Gurley's no longer there. So we're left with Cam Akers now. 
Daryl Henderson is still in-house, but it is not Daryl Henderson's season. I think it is Cam Akers' season. He's the running back who I'm targeting here. I do think that Henderson is going to be involved in passing downs. He's going to spell Akers. You know, he could be one of those backs who gets like 80, 90, 100 carries, maybe even slightly more. I actually haven't projected over 100 carries right now. But Akers is ultimately going to assert himself in early downs. Now, I say this, you know, sort of tongue in cheek, but, you know, Akers is used to running behind bad offensive lines. And last year, the Rams were really poor. Uh, they could not generate any space for Todd Gurley. Akers dealt with that the, each of the last two years at Florida State. They could not generate any space. But he was very effective at making defenders miss, creating yards after contact on his own. So I think we see that here. And the nice thing about Akers is unlike somebody like Jonathan Taylor, who if you go to the Indianapolis Colts podcast that I just did, I said I feel like Jonathan Taylor's being a little bit overvalued by the drafting public currently. I don't feel the same way about Cam Akers. You know, Cam Akers currently... And he's coming off the board at, at running back 29. I'm at running back 30. So I think he's like spot on value. I don't think he's overvalued, but not undervalued. So what does that mean in terms of rounds? It's about a seventh round pick. Six, well, I say probably more like a six round pick. I'd love to get him in the seventh round, but who am I kidding? It's a six round pick. That's a that's a great spot to look at what will likely be your third running back. You're shooting for upside with a younger player. You don't necessarily need him to start for you in the beginning of the year you you know you could possibly get by you know flexing out a wide out and you can kind of wait and see what you have I think it's a great spot to look at Cam Akers whereas I, I don't find myself really looking at Daryl Henderson that much in fantasy drafts right now and and really the drafting public is sharp on that one they're drafting him as the number 48 running back off the board so you're talking a late round flyer I, I could see a scenario where maybe he surprises but, you know, the best bet for success here is certainly Cam Akers. So anyway, let's move to the other Los Angeles team, the Los Angeles Chargers, who also lost their, uh, didn't lose, but moved on from their veteran running back presence in Melvin Gordon. But they also moved on from the longtime starting quarterback, Phillip Rivers. So how does this all shake out here? Because I do think we see Terod Taylor under center for uh, a few weeks. I don't know how long, though. You don't draft a guy inside the top 10 and then sit him for half the year, three quarters of the year. Justin Herbert's going to get on the field. Not a matter of if, a matter of when. And once he does, he does the he does give the passing game much more upside. Now, obviously, Terod Taylor is a phenomenal running quarterback. Phenomenal. In fact, I have him only projected right now for four games, and I still have him scoring more rushing touchdowns than Herbert does in 12 games. (laughs) So phenomenal rushing quarterback. And we'll remember that early in the season for DFS purposes, but ultimately this is going to be Herbert's squad. Herbert's going to take over. And there's some appeal to drafting Herbert in two quarterback leagues as your third quarterback. With that in mind, you're going to get – a little bit of a discount because he's not projected to start the season as the starter. But, you know, I did this with Daniel Jones last year. You can get that discount and then typically pays dividends after the fact. To Rod Taylor, I'm not drafting really anywhere. Like I said, I'm just going to keep him for, for DFS. Uh, now, I know that the immediate assumption is no Rivers, 
well, we have to downgrade across the board. And and to a degree, we do have to downgrade a little bit when we're talking about Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. But I'm not downgrading that significantly. In fact, I've come to you know really like Keenan Allen as a nice little value based on the fact that people are over downgrading him if that is such a word uh he's he's currently going as the number 21 wide out off the board so i think right there just given his his overall consistency what we've seen out of him over the course of his career i mean last year's number six fantasy wide out number 12 the year before the number three the year before that thousand plus in all those years 104 catches last year 97 the year before 102 the year before that now, not a lot of touchdowns, six in each of the last three years, but even if you get 90% of that, you're getting value as the 21st wideout. I have him ranked as the 18th wideout off the board. The volume won't be there with Teron Taylor, but I do think it improves once Herbert takes over. Same thing with Mike Williams. Now, Mike Williams went from potential sexy upside sleeper type or breakout type to now... Uh, do you take him in the late rounds type? And I think you do, just given just given the body of work. We know what Mike Williams is. He's not going to be a guy who we see get double-digit targets week in and week out. Uh, but he is a guy who's going to catch the ball pretty far downfield. Average depth target of 18.3 last year. He had a 1,000-yard season on 49 catches. <laughs> like That's pretty hard to do. Average 20.4 yards per reception. Now, of course, he only scored two touchdowns last year, so he is a strong regression candidate in a favorable direction there. He's not going to move downward, obviously. He'll move upward towards the mean. And so I still like taking a stab. I've actually grabbed some shares of Mike Williams when we get into that period of drafts. I'm currently going as the 46th wideout off the board. I actually have him ranked at 49, so right in the range of ADP. But I'll take him in that range at value uh, in terms of ADP, maybe around round 11, round 12 is where you're seeing him. And I think that's just fine. As for Hunter Henry, he's really he's moved from a guy who I was, you know, really, you don't get a nickname from me just you know, just because I, uh, I'm i indifferent to you. You know, I really liked him, really liked him. And he kept getting hurt, but I really liked him. I probably would have had him ranked six if Rivers is there, but I only moved him down to eight without Rivers. So ahead of him in that range, I have Evan Ingram at six, Tyler Higby at seven. And all of these guys are falling in that tight end wheelhouse of round six to eight. So let's say I'm up. I I do want Ingram more. I do want Higby more. But let's say they co- they go off the board before I'm ready to pick. I still know I want to address tight end in this range. And Henry's still on the board when I'm up. Let's say it is round seven and Ingram and Higby just went, all right, I'm going with Henry. No questions asked. You know, and that's that's one of the things I always talk about with fantasy drafting, like getting your heart set on one guy, like I have to have Evan Ingram, and then he goes before you're up. People call that sniping. I don't think you should ever really be sniped because you should always have people on your board that you're going to, you know, players you're going to target after that. And what ends up happening is if you think you got sniped, how many times that happened to you? You have one player you look at, he's gone, and then all of a sudden it's panic mode, right? And you you just snap to a decision, throw a guy up on the board, and then you get back to your seat and you're like, oh, wait, there, this guy was still available? I mean, this guy was still available? I would have taken them instead. Well, if you use my draft board, you're not going to have that issue. 
All right, my draft board uh, is available right now at ftnfantasy.com. So you want to check that out, uh, and we'll we'll update that thing throughout the off season, by the way, too. And you'll see that this is the range where I have these tight ends. So no issue with Hunter Henry per se with the quarterbacks in place. All right, so let's talk about the backfield because Austin Eckler is there. Austin Eckler was phenomenal last year. Phenomenal. Let's. It's two words for Austin Eckler. It was phenomenal, okay? That's how good it was. He comes out the gate. He says, Melvin Gordon's holding out. Okay, I got this. Hold my beer. Number two running back in week one. Number three running back in week two. Now he was 18th in week three, but then number four in week four. So he had three top five fantasy weeks in the four weeks that Melvin Gordon was holding out. He was awesome out of the gate. He was pretty good even from there. I mean, over the final 13 weeks of the season, he was still fifth among running backs in overall fantasy scoring. Now he had some duds in there, but he also had a number one finish in week 14. He was phenomenal. My problem with Austin Eckler, he is a smaller back. Can he really hold up to another, you know, close to 250 touches this year? That's that's an issue. You know, last year he got close. Uh, what was he at? 224 touches last year, which it's not a lot of volume, but hey, when you catch 92 balls in a PPR, that is going to help you out. Right now, I am projecting him right in the same range. I have him at, a, at 230 touches. That's good enough to get him inside the top 12, but it's not good enough to get him inside the top 10. I have him ranked at 11. Now, the other question, though, is there is some meat on the bone in this backfield, obviously. Is it Justin Jackson or is it rookie Joshua Kelly? And I'll tell you, UCLA... Joshua Kelly didn't necessarily do anything to wow me, but then again, I said the same thing about Justin Jackson, and I do like some elements of Justin Jackson's game now that I've seen him at the pro level, so I'm willing to give Joshua Kelly the the benefit of the doubt, but as of right now, uh, I do have Jackson ahead. I think you could look at Jackson as a guy who, at ADP, offers you some value, even though the, the depth chart, I would say, is still unsettled. But he does offer offer you some values. The number 53 running back going right now. I mean, basically, you're talking about a late-round dart. You know, one of your last picks. You could just throw a dart at him. And this team showed last year, now granted it was Eckler and Gordon, but that they could sustain two top 20-ish running backs. And they were a little bit better than that. I'm not saying Jackson could be a top 20 guy, but maybe he gets you a couple weeks in there, though, where he is. And then you have the added benefit of if Austin Eckler gets hurt, then it could be the Justin Jackson show. So there's that sort of implied handcuff value there. I'm not drafting Joshua Kelly right now, but you know these things could flip pretty easily if we get more indication. If Joshua Kelly pulls ahead of Jackson, uh, then you know obviously we'll readjust as we go forward. So there you go. The Los Angeles special is in the books. Next up, well, we have one more loss, and this is a this is a first for us. Las Vegas we'll be talking about. I didn't call them Oakland. The Las Vegas Raiders. I love, love what they did in their draft. I love what they did in their draft. 
Henry Ruggs, yes, but it's Brian Edwards as well. Really like that they add those guys to the mix. Uh, Lynn Bowden, add him to the mix. So what does his presence do in that, you know, for that offense? And what do we expect for Ruggs? Is there any hope for Derek Carr? Maybe. Two quarterback leagues. Darren Waller, can he continue what he did last year? Josh Jacobs, this guy right here, this is Jacobs guy, not going wood if you're with me. All right, we'll talk about them. And then we also have to talk about the Miami Dolphins. Hey, I, I another team, Brian Flores. That team didn't tank last year. This is pretty darn exciting, actually, that they have a really interesting nucleus. Yeah, maybe they don't have the backfield that, that we were hoping for there with Jordan Howard and Matt Breda, but when does Tua get on the field? Um, the wideouts. Oh, man. Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, sexy right there, but it doesn't get any sexier than Mike Gesicki. So that's coming up on tomorrow's pod. In the meantime, hey, do me a favor. People keep keep knocking this out. So if you haven't already, please review the podcast on iTunes. It's super simple. Open up your iTunes app and scroll down to the bottom uh, where my podcast is and just click on the stars. It's really that easy. And you can review it as well. I greatly appreciate your help. That helps the podcast out more than you know. And hey, you can also follow along on social media at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram and use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way, I know you're a listener of the show. And I always give the listeners priority. I see you, Rat Pack. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.